Happy New Year, Utah skiers and riders, and welcome back to Last Chair, the Ski Utah podcast. I'm your host, Tom Kelly. And a welcome to Utah's own Pixie and the Partygrass Boys. And thanks for kicking things off once again. Let's send a shout out to our sponsor, High West, Utah's first legal distillery since 1870. High West is passionate about crafting delicious and distinctive whiskeys and helping people appreciate whiskey all in the context of our home right here in the American West. And when you're in Utah, visit one of High West locations in Park City and nearby Wanship. And a welcome back to our episode sponsors. For more than four decades, Cooper Wind Property Management, formerly Identity Properties, has been matching skiers to vacation rentals in Park City. And a welcome to new sponsor this season, Park City Peaks, one of the greatest hotel values in Park City. Well, we've had a lot of snow here in Utah this winter, as I'm sure you've heard. Since October, storm after storm has blanketed the Wasatch, hundreds of inches. It's one thing at the resorts where grooming machines and a steady flow of skiers and riders pack down the snow. But what happens in the backcountry? Last chair decided to investigate, joining Drew Hardesty of the Utah Avalanche Center for an outing high up above Big Cottonwood Canyon. On a stormy December morning, Drew and I skinned up through the aspens and evergreens to dig a snow pit where he analyzed the history of snowfall this winter on the wall of snow. It was a fascinating experience to watch how Mother Nature documents the storms. Most of all, we learned about weak layers that form between storms which provide a primary ingredient for avalanches in the backcountry. Now let's strap on the skins, check out our transceivers, and head up Big Cottonwood Canyon for a conversation in a snow pit with Drew Hardesty of the Utah Avalanche Center on Last Chair, the Ski Utah podcast. And we are up high in the Wasatch today with last chair from Ski Utah, Tom Kelly with you. Drew Hardesty from Utah Avalanche Center is my guest. And Drew, thanks for the skin up here. Tell folks where we are. Yeah, Tom, really great to be out with you. We're on the west ridge of 10420 in Upper Big Cottonwood Canyon. It's a really prime place to go to walk, a safe ridge. You can observe avalanche conditions in situ. We have strong southwest winds. It's a, it's a place that's prone to wind loading. We're going to have a good outing today to see what the avalanche conditions look like. Well, it's just beautiful out here. And I know that a lot of listeners have been out in the backcountry around Park City and up where it actually at the head of big Cottonwood Canyon. But, you know, you get off the road, get off the trailhead and you get back up in the trees. It's just a different world. So we are in, just from a weather perspective today, Drew, give us a little sense of what's coming down here. Definitely we have a storm coming in. But what did you see in the forecast today and give us a sense of the weather up here? You know, we're going to see a series of storms coming out in on the west and northwest flow. I would say lots of what they call embedded disturbances. No significant blockbuster coming, but but in the next seven to 10 days. But we're going to see continued snowfall, strong winds, things remaining quite cold. What I would call good powder preservation weather. And um, we'll just have it keep stacking up in this banner winter so far. We're recording this podcast a couple of days before Christmas. This has really been a remarkable year so far, whether you're in the backcountry or whether you're going in off the lifts. But we've had continual snowfall now since late October. Pretty much a paradise out there, but you have to think about being safe. 
Yeah, that's right. You know, early season, you know, we had quite a bit of snowfall in October. It continued early November, you know, Tom, and it really started to stack up. But then the storm shut down there for a couple of weeks. And as I like to say, idle weather does the devil's work. And by by that, what I mean is that, that snow that was sitting on the ground started to get weak, sugary, cohesionless there at the surface. And that has become our weak layer for these subsequent storms when it started picking up and started storming again the last couple of weeks. And, and that's what we've seen is a number of avalanches failing at that layer that formed during that spell of high pressure for about a week to 10 days there in, in November. We're going to look at some of that later in the podcast. Drew has dug a snow pit up here on a north-northwesterly facing slope. We're going to take a look at that a little bit later on. Drew, a lot of folks know you from your podcast at Utah Avalanche Center. You've been around here and forecasting and helping keep skiers safe in the backcountry for some time now. Give us a little bit of more one-one on your background. You know, I remember distinctly as an officer in the Navy during Desert Storm, and having been a climber and skier during college and before becoming an officer in the military, I, I took all those passions to, to the Middle East, you know, for the first Gulf War. And I remember, I think it was two in the morning and I'd just come off shift there on this, on this destroyer um, again in the Middle East. And I was reading Rock and Ice magazine and I told him I was getting out of the military because I was going to pursue a, a job as a as a climbing ranger and as an avalanche forecaster. And some guys said, what, you're giving up this job as a, as an officer in the military and you're reading some magazine nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> sure enough, you know, I just, the rest is history. I've been an avalanche forecaster since uh, 1999, climbing range in the Tetons, um, not long after that. And I've just really enjoyed a life of skiing and climbing the mountains since then. What are some of the things about that culture of being in the backcountry, being out in this beautiful paradise that we're in today? We got snow on the evergreens and it's just a gorgeous environment here. What are the things that really triggered that passion for you when you first got into it? Tom, it's it's just really abundantly clear to people that spend so much time out here that it's not a it's not a vocation or avocation. It's it's really just a way of life. And that just really forms your values and is fundamental to your outlook on life, spending so much time in the mountains. It's it's inspiring and, and it's humbling at the same time. And I'm just very grateful to have the support of my family and 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 the, the you know, the Forest Service pays people to go out and take a look at the conditions to to help keep people safe in the backcountry. And I, I feel very very glad, very, very fortunate to do that. Well, we all appreciate the work that you do and everybody at the Utah Avalanche Center team. It is a paradise out here, and I know we all have a passion for it, but we also need to really think about being safe. Give us a few initial thoughts on the importance of snow safety and understanding that. And then from there, we'll talk a little bit more about the specific services offered by Utah Avalanche Center here in Utah. Well, I mean, to be sure, you know, we have some of the greatest avalanche professionals on earth to, to sort of match, as Wall Stegner would say, to sort of match that that society to match the scenery. We have some of the some of the most well-respected avalanche professionals on earth, and they're employed with all of our world-class ski resorts, with the Utah Department of Transportation, with the Powderbird and, and Utah Mountain Adventure, all the guides we have. Such an amazing avalanche community here. And, you know, those of you listening at home that are, you know, buying a pass or buying a lift pass to go up into the mountains, you're, you're effectively in part paying 
people, the avalanche professionals, to mitigate and knock down that risk. They're getting up at four in the morning to to make safer conditions for the public that they're riding the chairs to go skiing at, the, at the, these great ski areas that we have. When you're heading out into the backcountry, you have to do all of that yourself. And first of all, you have to be aware that, that you know, in Utah alone, we have, we suffer about on average three avalanche fatalities in the backcountry each winter. And you have to realize that it's very dangerous in the mountains. You know, risk is inherent in mountain travel. You have to be aware that, that it can be really quite dangerous in the backcountry. You have to be aware of what's going on. And so in part, what we try to do is educate people about the snowpack and the avalanche conditions so that people can make the right choices to choose the appropriate terrain for the day. What are some of the educational resources available from Utah Avalanche Center for somebody that's just getting started? They want to go out and buy some, some skis, some skins, maybe they got a Christmas gift, but what's a good place to start to get the basics? Tom, it's amazing. I mean, it's come so far in my tenure. I mean, it used to be that you would come up and spend three days at like the Wasatch Mountain Club Lodge in Upper Big Cottonwood Canyon and uh, spend the night up there for, for a couple nights and be up there for three days and you get your level one. But I mean, now Tom, from the comfort of your home with your bunny slippers and pajamas, you can, you can just absorb so much information online. We have these great e-learning online avalanche modules. There's so much you can get at knowbeforeyougo.org. And even people just, I recommend, even if you don't have any experience at all, if you're just following our avalanche forecast, day in and day out. You're just going to learn so much language. You're going to learn so much about the avalanche conditions, the avalanche problems, the avalanche dangerous scale. You're really going to be educated, even just from the safe and safe confines of your own house, wherever you happen to be. Let's talk about Know Before You Go, a new program developed. This is a program that's been around for a while, but refreshed content this year with new videos, a new direction. I've, I've, I've seen it. I've actually used it in some of the programs that I oversee. It really is an amazing primer. It's not everything, you know, but it is an amazing primer to give you a sense of what you need to learn. I have to tell you, you know, to back up a touch, Tom, you know, that Know Before You Go program was born out of tragedy. And just before Christmas of December of 04, I remember it like it was yesterday, three kids up out of Provo or up up above Sundance, just up the road from Sundance Ski Resort in a place called Aspen Grove. And we're booting up this really steep couloir called the Northeast Chute of Elk Point. And a huge avalanche came down and killed them. And that right there was the catalyst, the impetus. We have to do something. We have to educate our youth. And now that has just, gone gone exponential and worldwide in many languages and it's just it educates not just our youth but but anyone that's just getting into the backcountry when you you know it, it it has such great tools to introduce you to the basics but let's say you want to go you've done no before you go you've got a little bit of experience out there and you want to get a little bit more hands-on education What's available as kind of a next step to really dig a little deeper and give you the hands-on experience on snow to learn more about snow safety? You know, patterned after a college course, we call it. It's just, it's called, it's called Backcountry 101. And it's, it's just really an evening and then a day or two that's, that's you're heading out there with qualified instructors. And, you know, she'll take you out there and and show you so you can recognize what avalanche terrain is, what avalanche terrain is not. Introduce you to classic signs and symptoms of 
of an unstable snowpack, the collapsing and cracking, the avalanches that you may be seeing out there to point out that we that maybe you do have very dangerous avalanche conditions. A little bit of looking at a snow pit, but mostly it's about recognizing avalanche terrain, feeling confident and comfortable that you're gonna be able to pull off an avalanche rescue if you need it. And then that's just gonna kickstart your, your long, lifelong learning in the backcountry from there. Let's take a little bit of a step back and talk about the gear that you need to have to go into the backcountry. It's easy to look at the, the skis and the skins and the equipment you need, but for safety purposes, give a little rundown on the equipment that everyone should have when they venture out into the backcountry. Without question, you know, you have to have an avalanche transceiver, you have to have a probe, you have to have a shovel, and many people head into the backcountry with an avalanche airbag. So again, these are all things that you have to have when you're going into the backcountry in case the worst nightmare is realized. So you and I out today, you know, each of us, we are ski partners. Each of us have all that gear. If I happen to be caught in an avalanche, if I happen to be caught in an avalanche and buried underneath, then your transceiver, you're gonna switch to receive, and that you're gonna be able to home in and find out where I'm buried in that avalanche debris. So the avalanche transceiver um, leads to the avalanche probe. It's this lightweight collapsible probe that's about 10 feet in length. It looks like something at like a, at, you know, a tent pole, essentially like an aluminum tent pole. You're gonna pull out your avalanche probe, you're gonna spear down through that avalanche debris, and you're gonna be able to feel me where I am buried in that avalanche debris. You're gonna keep that, that probe in, and then you're gonna take off your pack, you're gonna grab your, your collapsible lightweight shovel, and you're gonna dig down to find me and hopefully not have to do any first aid or give me any breaths of air. And you're gonna be able to try to do that within about 15 minutes of burial. And that's gonna give me the, the greatest amount of time and the greatest percentage of survival. Because Tom, clearly if someone is in an avalanche, 911 is, is something to call, but by and large, that's going to be a body recovery. You are your partner's best hope for survival. You have about 15 minutes to uncover someone in that avalanche debris. So if you have all of the gear, how do you get the training to learn how to use that gear, how to use that transceiver, and how to use that probe? You know, for sure, we have all number of these, what we call companion rescue clinics that last just about two or three hours and you're going to meet at a trailhead or a parking lot and you're going to run through it. It's just like sort of companion rescue boot camp. You're going to walk away from for these companion rescue clinics feeling confident you're going to be able to pull off a rescue of your spouse, your friend, any number of your backcountry partners. For somebody who's been going in the backcountry for a few years, they have their gear, they've done the training at some point. What about refresher training? Is it something that you ought to look at every year? You know, it's just not a check the box sort of thing, Tom. I mean, it's not something that you do your first year and you say, okay, I've had my training. You need to go out there and flex your muscles. You got to go out there and knock the rust off. Every year I go out there and do companion rescue training for myself. Every year I'm following what's new in snow science and what's new in mountain meteorology. So you have to really keep the pencil sharp. You have to really continue your education. It's a lifelong pursuit.
We're with Drew Hardesty from the Utah Avalanche Center. We are high up off of the Guardsman Road at the head of Big Cottonwood Canyon. When we come back from this short break, we're going to talk about the forecast today, what went into our little trek up here in the mountains, and then we're going to dive into the snow pit and look at some of the layers from those storms that we've had over the last few months here. We'll be right back on Last Chair. Well, it's storming up in Big Cottonwood Canyon, and we'll be right back with Drew Hardesty of the Utah Avalanche Center. One of the great aspects of skiing and riding in Park City is the vast array of vacation rental opportunities, from intimate slopeside inns to comfy rentals just steps from historic Main Street. Now in its 43rd year of matching skiers to lodging, Cooper Wynn Property Management, formerly Identity Properties, is your ideal stop to find that home away from home. They have everything from studios to four-bedroom rentals and more. Cooper Wynn offers a truly distinctive collection of Park City vacation rentals. A lot of them have heated pools and hot tubs, and many are close to Park City's free bus system, so you can avoid renting a car. You have a lot of choices today, but as a Park City local myself, I know the value that long-term knowledge brings, and that's Cooper Wynn. Check out the winter discounts at PCLodge.com or call 1-800-245-6417 for rates and availability. That's PCLodge.com. Cooper Wynn, your home away from home in Park City. Now let's head back up into the Big Cottonwood Canyon backcountry with Drew Hardesty of the Utah Avalanche Center. And welcome back to Last Chair. We're with Drew Hardesty from Utah Avalanche Center. We are high up in the Wasatch, uh, up at the head of Big Cottonwood Canyon. We're going to talk about forecasts. We're going to talk about a snow pit in just a little bit. But I want to come back to, you know, we're in this amazing location. And we're definitely in the backcountry. There are no ski lifts on the way up here. But a lot of folks are accessing the backcountry through lift served access, wherever that might happen to be. And it's a whole different ball game. Now, do you want to talk about that a little bit, Drew, and, and the impact that that's had on skiing here in Utah? For sure, Tom. You know, I did a study a few years ago looking at all of our avalanche accidents in the modern era, is what I would call it. Going back to 1941, I think we're up to almost 130 avalanche fatalities since then. And we have way more higher proportion of fatalities from people accessing the backcountry from the ski areas and the lifts than any other state. And it's not even close. Easily 20% of our fatalities have been people going and accessing the backcountry from the ski areas. And in my tenure alone, since 1999, way over almost 60% of our skiers and snowboarders of those fatalities have been people accessing the backcountry. So 16 of 27 skiers and riders in Utah are dead because they've been in an avalanche accident accessing the backcountry from a ski area. So it looks really easy to be riding the chair and being in this really excellent and safe terrain because of the snow safety professionals at the ski area. But once you head out of bounds, it's a whole different deal. You're just looking at this beautiful blank canvas, but it's a completely stepping in from low danger to perhaps sometimes even high danger. And that's why we've had, again, at least 16 fatalities of people going into the backcountry since 1999-2000. When you look a little bit deeper into the victims of those avalanches, what's kind of the experience level that you find or the equipment level that you find on them? Most of them have been people with very little education and training. 
they see what I would call it's like an attractive nuisance. They're riding the chair. You know, they've been in great patter because the snow safety professionals have made it safe for them. And they just look beyond the rope lines and they see again, this beautiful, amazing canvas of the greatest snow on earth. And they just are lured into thinking that it's just gonna be the same, but it's not. And it's been tragedy after tragedy. And so we have really tried to get the word out there that people heading into the backcountry from the ski areas, you know, they need to be equipped with not just all the rescue training, because if you're using that gear, you have already made a mistake. You have to be equipped with a weapon of knowledge to be able to make good decisions before heading into avalanche terrain. I'm just kind of curious, Drew, with COVID the last few years, a lot more people were flocking to the wilderness in the backcountry, whether that's for hiking, skiing, snowshoeing, or whatever it might be. Did we see a big influx of new participants in backcountry skiing over the last few years? We have, but counterintuitively, you know, just looking at the data with COVID, it's, it was not the beginners getting into trouble. It wasn't the, it wasn't the newbies. If it, if it happened, it's you and me. It's people that have been around the block that maybe owing to different stress levels or something with COVID, they've been pushing it. And as you know, Mark Twain said, it's, it's not what, the, what you don't know that'll kill you, it's what you know that ain't so. And so it's a marked difference between those people accessing the back entry from the ski areas and who we saw getting killed and having accidents during COVID. Yeah, let's talk about forecasts. Now we're up here and, and we've had ever-changing weather. The hour, hour and a half that we've been out here, the weather's been dynamic the whole time. We're up at the head of Big Cottonwood Canyon right now. Coming up here today, Drew, give us a little sense of what the avalanche forecast was telling us. Well, the danger is gonna be on the rise today, Tom. You know, we have, again, a series of storms coming in here. This one punctuated by by strong west-northwest winds, and that's easily whipping that new snow into sensitive drifts off the lee of ridgelines. We're seeing some grapple here in this what we call prefrontal environment. I think the front is gonna be coming in this afternoon. That's gonna be adding more stress to the layers of the snowpack. The danger will certainly be on the rise to considerable. I think the danger is already high up in the Logan area mountains because they're seeing more of a brunt of precip and winds as we speak. Utah Avalanche Center has a, a very detailed forecasting service, which provides forecasts for different regions of the state. Give us a little sense of what goes into that forecasting at UAC every day. Tom, it's really our forecasts are predicated upon the field work of not just our avalanche forecaster, but our whole platoons of what we call professional observers. And again, just that, that great communication that we have with all of our snow safety brothers and sisters, and again, with Utah Department of Transportation, the guides out there. It's really fundamental to be out in the snow like we are today, to look and see what's going on with the snowpack, look and see what's going on with the weather, to have this idea, this mental picture of what's going on out there. So when we add the new snow, the new snow and wind on top of that, we've been out there, we know what's going on. We're talking with our colleagues. We can paint this picture to the consumers of our avalanche forecast so they can make good decisions when they're heading out on their own. So a forecast is only as good as the people who put the time into reading it. That forecast is delivered in a variety of different ways, but I mean, for me, and I think for a lot of folks, the mobile app is a real asset. It does, you know, we, we just, you know, we can try to paint a simple, you know, picture for folks that really don't have that much experience. We can say, hey, the danger is high, you know, avoid being in the backcountry altogether, the danger is extreme. But, you know, to this avvy savvy folks, the danger is not going to be high everywhere. And so we have right there with our bottom line danger rating, 
you know, we have a little bit of wording out there, how likely it's going to be, but, but we have a, what we call a danger rose. And that danger rose has aspects and elevations out there. And so the, the danger may be high on say mid and upper elevation, north through east facing aspects, but it could be just moderate on south facing, just based upon what the structure of the snowpack is. And so when we say it's high, again, it's not high everywhere. And so the savvy people can choose terrain that is less dangerous and make good decisions when they're out there. Ultimately, it's all physics, Tom. If you want to avoid, you know, worrying about the and monkeying with the snow structure altogether, if you're on slopes less steep than about 30 degrees with nothing steeper above, you can go out there and ride the world-class powder every single day. Drew, one of the things that we've been looking for today, and you folks can probably hear it in the background, we have a lot of wind up here today. Wind loading is going to be a factor today and for the next few days. Tell us about that. Well, you know, as, as most of your listeners know, the weather is the architect of the snowpack and also the catalyst for most of our avalanche problems. You know, we see a lot of snow, we see a lot of wind, and you're gonna see a lot of avalanches. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to do that. When you have weak layers in our snowpack, as, you, as we do now, you know, from that period of high pressure, just before Thanksgiving, we're gonna be digging down to look for those faceted grains, the weak, sugary, faceted grains that formed then, and see how much this new snow and wind is gonna to start to affect those. And if these avalanches are gonna be much more than just superficial, if they're gonna step down to these older weak layers, making them much more dangerous. So we're gonna take a look here in a minute. We're gonna get into the snow pit in just a minute, but if I'm out in the backcountry today with a buddy, what are the things relative to the wind loading, what should we be looking for? You know, the wind drifts are easily recognized because they're generally smooth, pillowy, rounded. Sometimes you're gonna see like cracking, like shooting cracks emanating from your, your, your feet or skis or snowshoes or whatever. You may hear this audible whomph. It's, it's, you'll, you'll never forget it. it. Sometimes it can sound like a, a thunderclap. But if you're hearing, the, you know, you're hearing the, the collapsing, you're seeing the shooting cracks, you're seeing lots of rounded pillowy snow, it's best to avoid being on steep terrain. We were coming up today and just looking at a little bit when we started our skin up from the trailhead. It was a little bit windy, but it's gotten progressively more so. We've got a lot of grapple coming down right now. We're in a snow pit right now, and let's take a little bit of a look there. I'm going to maneuver ourselves to a to a good spot here. Drew, you've done a, a dug a nice pit. Thank you for that. Why don't you give our listeners who aren't going to be able to see this, but with a little imagination, what are we looking for in the snow pit that we've dug? Eventually, after you're done digging your snow pit, Tom, I mean, as, as Ed LaChapelle, one of the great grandfathers of avalanche science has, science has said that, you know, by the time you're done digging your snow pit, even before you've conducted any pits, you have a good idea of what the structure is. You know, it's, it's really critical that you have this recipe that you're looking for in terms of avalanches. You have to have a slab sitting on top of a weak layer, and you have to have a slope steep enough to slide. And then generally a trigger, which would be you gentle reader or gentle listener, you are often the trigger that's gonna have that slab collapse that weak layer and then run on that steep terrain. So here, as we're looking here, we have really two feet of our slab here. And the slab is nothing more than what we call a cohesive plate of snow, something that's cohesive and strong, that's sitting on something weaker this like weakery, weak sugary snow here. It's just very crystalline. 
and weak. But, uh, you know, honestly, the good news is in the upper reach of the cottonwoods, that old, weak snow, that sugary snow is starting to gain strength in facet and center and getting stronger. And so these avalanches are going to become less sensitive to, to human triggering. And that, that's good news. We had high danger recently, and I think that we're going to start to turn the corner pretty soon. And, and the danger is going to be more pronounced in those thinner, weaker areas, like maybe along some parts of the Park City Ridgeline, some parts of Mill Creek, and then some parts of Provo. That's my forecast. So you've, you've identified this layer, and it looks to me like it's about 24, 26 inches down from the top of the snow right now. I know you've got the experience to just kind of use your hands and look for that crystalline feature. You're digging out a little bit there right now. But if, but if you look at these layers, do you have any, any, any way of identifying when that snowfall occurred? Are we looking back about a month or so or a few weeks? Yes, this is the, you know, this is the snowfall that we had, Tom, in late October. It fell on the ground late October, early November. And then I think just around maybe towards the towards the second week of November, it stopped snowing. And so that's that snow that was here along the top reaches of the snowpack, you know, under the clear, cold skies, it started becoming weak and sugary and cohesionless, just sort of like right on the top of the snow surface. And many people think, oh, the snow is drying out, but that's not the case. It's it's sort of becoming faceted and weak and sugary. And so when you get these storms on top of it, it doesn't bond well and it avalanches. And that's, the, that's your interface. Now, over time, because you have essentially removed what we call a temperature gradient from the snowpack, it's starting to turn the quarter. And those squares, as we call them, are starting to round off a little bit and gain strength. And the overall snowpack is becoming more stable. Now, if we see two or three feet of snow with this storm, which I don't think we will, the strong winds, it doesn't matter. I mean, you're going to have a big enough hammer to, to trigger avalanches down to these older, weaker layers. But we, I'm optimistic. I think we're going to start to see these, these, these layers start to heal and gain strength. And uh, all these avalanches will be just within the new snow. Drew, we've talked about the situations we had this year that created these weak layers. This is not really all that unusual for Utah in the way we get our early snowfalls delivered and that persistent weak layer that is subsequently created. Yeah, that's the that's very classic for us. You know, we get those storms in even late September or October, and then it just goes high and dry, and we start to see clear, cold conditions, and that, that snow changes. I mean, again, you know, clear skies does the devil's work, and it, it it changes. It's called snow metamorphism. It changes. It becomes weak, cohesionless, and it just has all the strength of a house of cards when you put subsequent storms on top of it. Pretty much every season, we early season, we go through that cycle and we have some close calls and accidents, you know, and then we start to turn the corner by and large, and then things become more stable after the new year and into late January and February. And that's, that's a good thing. You've been kind enough to dig this snow pit, which is a good educational tool. Give us a perspective of how important this is. And is this something that you do every time you go out or is this something that serves a particular purpose? How should we look at snow pits if we're heading out in the backcountry? You know, generally speaking, when you're looking at the avalanche forecast and you've been following along what's going on in the backcountry, you know, that again, that forecast is guidance. It's not, it's not gospel. It's, it's something to start with to go out and confirm 
you know, with your own eyes, with your own feet, with your own shovel when you're heading into the backcountry. So here we've, you know, we've been talking about, you know, this, this weak layer here. We've been talking about these storms coming in with, with a lot of wind. And so we're going to be looking for wind slabs today. We've been talking about the winds. We're going to be looking for sensitive wind slabs. We're going to be looking when we're digging snow pits, we're going to be looking for the the faceted grains again from early November. In some cases, we're going to be testing those with our snow pits with a variety of different compression tests, extended column tests, propagation saw tests. There's all these sort of battery of tests that we can use to, to gauge whether the snow is gaining strength or, or becoming more unstable. And so that's just part and parcel of not just being a professional, but of anyone that's heading into the backcountry to have to have some knowledge on how to test some of these layers on their own. One of the good features of uh, the Utah Avalanche Center uh, website is the reporting service. And you talked about this network of individuals who are out there. And it's just like all of us who are in the backcountry have the ability to send in these reports that can be used by others. Pretty important tool, isn't it? It's amazing. I mean, Tom, we just can't be everywhere at once. And we've had an observer program since the since the late 80s, even the early 90s of just people out, heading out into the backcountry, just reporting what they're seeing and helping us paint a big picture for others that also enjoy our world class powder in the Wasatch Mountains. So when we're finished here today, Drew, you're going to spend a little time out here. What's in your plan? You know, I want to see what's going on with the wind drifting up here. Are, are, are we seeing sensitive soft slabs of of wind-blown snow along the lee of ridge lines. How much is that overloading um, our faceted layers from, from early November? These are all the questions I have, and I sort of I target places when I'm heading into the backcountry that are going to give me good information for what I'm looking for to satisfy my questions before I head out. So once again, in summary, you know I have a big picture of what I'm looking for before I head out there. I'm going to target aspects, elevations, part of our Wasatch range that's going to give me the answers I'm looking for. And you're going to have fun too, right? Well, that's part and parcel of it as well. I love it. <laughs> We're going to close this out with our fresh track section. Just a few final closing sessions as the storm keeps coming in. And we apologize for all that background noise. But I, I know this is a tough one for any skier. You know, like what's what's your favorite run, the favorite area you like to be in? Is there some place in the Wasatch that's really special to you? Yeah, it's the Provo Mountains. The Provo Mountains are some of the most radical and extreme and beautiful part of our Wasatch. Seldom traveled, and it's, it's very dangerous terrain in there, and, and you have to be right. You have to pay attention, and I'd have to say that the Provo Area Mountains are, are, are my favorite part of the Wasatch Range. That's a good one, and not we don't often think of those, but they're big mountains, aren't they? They are. I mean, you just have to drive up Provo Canyon, go up the North Fork, you go up to Sundance right there, and, and you're in your own little slice of Europe right there. I think it's one of the most beautiful places on earth. Cool. I know you spend most of your time in the backcountry. Do you get out to the resorts much, and do you have a favorite place you like to sneak off to to take a lift ride once? Tom, once this is going to sound very political, but I think all of our ski areas are so great at what their what their niche is. You know, Deer Valley is not trying to be Brighton, and Brighton is not trying to be Canyons Village, and Alta is not trying to be Sundance. I mean, they all do their own thing so well. They're all awesome in their own way. And I just, I just love them all. It's really a special place, isn't it? Yep. 
As you look back, we talked a little bit about this earlier, but as you look back in your career, was there any moment where it really crystallized for you that this is where you wanted to spend your career? It's the history, Tom. I mean, this is the birthplace of avalanche science and avalanche mitigation in North America, upper Little Cottonwood Canyon in the late 30s and 40s. These grandfathers, these Moniat Water and Ed La Chapelle, that sort of built, really built avalanche science and avalanche forecasting, again, from the late 30s and 40s, that really has set the benchmark for anyone else in North America. So it's it's an honor, be, honor to be sort of part of that lineage here. It's really a fascinating approach. I'm a huge history buff, but I hadn't really thought about that, but this really is the epicenter of it. It really is. Monty Atwater came back from World, 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 World War II with this idea of bringing howitzers and recoilless rifles to knock down the avalanches and upper Little Cottonwood Canyon, and that, that continues to this very day. That's amazing. Last question. If you had to sum up in one word what it means to be out here in this beautiful backcountry, beautiful snow on the evergreens, snow coming down from the heavens, what's one word? I can't, Tom. It's oh, a good life. On. It's a good life. <laughs> We'll leave it at that. Drew Hardesty from Utah Avalanche Center. Thanks for leading me on a little trek up here in Big Cottonwood Canyon off the Guardsman Road. Appreciate all of you, all that you do and the team does at UAC to help keep us safe. It's been a pleasure, Tom. Thanks so much. A special thanks to Drew Hardesty of the Utah Avalanche Center for his insights and a spectacular tour in the midst of a fast-moving snowstorm up in the Guardsman Road at the head of Big Cottonwood Canyon. You can check out the podcast landing page at SkiUtah.com to get more links to direct you specifically to the Know Before You Go program and also the Utah Avalanche Center. And also check out Drew's own website. He's got some great essays and links there as well. Yes, it is continuing to snow here in Utah. And before we go, I want to welcome back a new episode sponsor this season to Last Chair. If you're trying to find a base location for your adventure to Park City this winter, check out Park City Peaks Hotel. Tell. There are many reasons to choose Park City Peaks. Let's start with location, offering easy bus or shuttle access to the resorts and a host of cool local restaurants within walking distance. Park City Peaks has a mid-century design aesthetic to provide an at-home vibe as an independent modern mountain hotel. The centerpiece of Park City Peaks is the Versante Hearth and Bar, known for handcrafted wood-fired pizzas and street breads, pastas, and much, much more. I consider it to be one of Park City's best hotel bars, blending locals and visitors together. Park City Peaks also offers a breakfast buffet, complimentary yoga every Thursday, hot cocoa and cookies every afternoon, hot tub, ice skating, and the list goes on. Make Park City Peaks your choice this winter in Park City. The Ski Utah Last Chair podcast is brought to you by High West Distillery. Follow our whiskey adventure on all social media platforms at Drink High West. And remember, sip responsibly. High West Whiskey, 46% alcohol by volume. High West Distillery in Park City, Utah. We have a great season going with Last Chair. Did you catch the last episode where we analyzed the record snowfall with forecasters Evan Thayer and Jim Steenberg? 
Or did you tune in for our episode on the new Salt Lake City International Airport? If you like the podcast, please share it with a friend and also leave us a review. And make sure to subscribe to get every episode delivered direct to you. Thank you for joining us on Last Chair. To close us out, let's welcome back our friends Pixie and the Party Grass Boys. Happy New Year to everybody. I'm Tom Kelly for Last Chair, presented by High West. Have fun. It is a great season to ski. Oh, I love to ski. I'm living in Utah. I'm living in Utah.